you ever been reading the Bible and been thinking while you're reading it that you should read that passage or that verse in another translation? That's something that happens to me quite often. And, of course, we have to be careful when we're reading these various translations of the Bible. We have to be mindful that we're reading good and quality translations because the truth is there's some out there that aren't that great. But reading the Bible in a different translation can help us to see passages in a new light and help us to understand them in ways that we may not have understood them otherwise, especially if we're just reading those passages in a translation that we read all the time. And sometimes we get locked into that focus and get locked into a certain mindset. And it's not that the word or the, the passage means something that different, but it helps us to see it in a different aspect in our lives. And it's honestly shocking to see how this works sometimes. It's shocking to see how God moves in our lives and how God does this in our lives. And this is exactly what happened as I read both First and Second Peter this week. I was reading through those books of the Bible in the King James Version, and something was telling me to read them in the New Living Translation. And so I did that because I would equate that feeling to the gentle leading of the Lord. God trying to just slowly tell you to do something, not forcing you to do it, but giving you the option to do something because it's going to give you a greater insight. And so as I began to read First Peter, I barely got a few verses in before I read, Now we live with great expectation. And that verse really hit me and began to send my mind in a bunch of different ways. My name is Justin Lee. You're listening to the More God, Less Me podcast, and I'm so glad to have you guys with me here today as we prepare to discuss this topic of how there is such a great expectation that we have as Christians. What a great hope that we have, what a great peace that we have, and it's important to understand this great expectation, because it has such an impact on the rest of our lives. It can affect us in many different ways, ways that honestly, we can't even begin to understand. Our expectation is unparalleled by the world. Nothing the world can offer is able to compare to the expectation that we, as God's people, as Christians, as the redeemed, nothing can compare to the expectation that we are able to have, because God has given us such great promises in his word. Now, of course, that doesn't answer the question of what are we expecting. And to really understand that, the best place to look is to go back to what Peter said in the passage that he gives us that verse. We're going to go ahead and read this one in the New Living Translation so we see where this verse lies up, where this line falls into play. But everything after this is probably just going to be in the ESV because that's just a little bit easier to share those Bible verses. But so what are we expecting? Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. It says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again. And because God raised Jesus from the dead, now we live with great expectation. And we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day. For all to see. So our great expectation is in the resurrection. It's in the hope that we have in Christ. All the promises that God gave us about eternal life, about heaven and all those things, that's the expectation that we live in. And that's really what we can see Peter talking about. It says, because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, now we live with great expectation. And that's because we know that because God raised Jesus from the dead, that there will be a resurrection of the dead. And that should bring us hope. Because Christ still lives, because he rose on the third day, that's how we can confirm our hope and our joy about Christ. That's how we can have a trust in the word of God. God showed that he had power over death, hell, and the grave. It would have been hard to believe that we could have new bodies and that we could be resurrected if it wasn't for the fact that Jesus was murdered on a cross. We often say that he died on a cross, but the truth is Jesus was murdered. He chose to allow himself to be murdered. This isn't where I really planned on going. There's an interesting passage. Whenever Judas leads the men to come and capture Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, they ask, are you Jesus? And Jesus says, I am. And they fall down flat on their backs. That shows the power that our Lord and Savior had. He didn't have to go with those men. Those men had no power over him except for the power that he allowed them to have. He allowed himself to be taken. He allowed himself to be murdered, to be hung on a cross. He allowed all those things to happen so that he could bring us salvation, so that we could have the promise of eternal life, and so that we could trust and have a great expectation 
for what our future is. And so what is our great expectation? It's the promises of God. Like John 3.16, which says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. What a great blessing that is, that we are told that we're not going to die. We shall not perish, but shall have eternal life because we believe in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. How great a hope that we have. And thank God that he showed us that this was going to happen by first showing that he could resurrect Jesus to show that he could resurrect us all, that he could give us all new bodies. That's another one of the promises that we have. Because eternal life sounds great until you think about it. And if we think about eternal life in the context of this world, I don't think any of us would want it. Because if we had eternal life here, nobody else may have it. And we would see countless people die. Or our bodies would age and decay and things would get difficult. Or we would lose our cognitive abilities. Our minds wouldn't function in the way that they used to. But that's not the promise that we have of Scripture because our eternal life here isn't in this world. The promise that we have, I'm going to skip ahead in my notes to Revelation 21 and 4, promises us a perfect life. Not only do we get new bodies, but there will be no pain, suffering, or sorrow because God is going to take those away. That's what Revelation 21 and 4 says. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. God has made those, is going to make those things go away. So the great hope that we have is that we're going to live in a world far different from the world that we are currently living in. One with hope, with peace, with joy. Those are the great things that we're going to get to experience. But that's not all that we have to look forward to. If we go back to the idea of the resurrection, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 through 52, we read, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. That's what the Apostle Paul often referred to the death of the saints as, was sleep, because they will rise again. They're going to come back. They're going to have another life, and we're going to see those people again. That's another reason to have great expectation. But it says, We will not all sleep. But we will all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we living shall be changed. So not only do we have great expectation of heaven and eternal life and a place of joy with no pain, suffering or sorrow where we won't grow old, but we'll have a new body. We'll be like God and his angels. But we're also told that everyone that we've loved that was a believer will be there as well. That if their faith was true, if they had followed the plan of salvation, if they lived for God, we will see them again. That's something that I think many of us are looking forward to, is we've all lost people close and dear to us that we love. And what a blessing it is to know that we will see those people again. And then Revelation 21 and 3 tells us that, I, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and will be and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. So God is going to be with us in heaven. We're going to get to see God. What we're going to get experience is, I believe, what God really created us for, to be in communion and to be in relationship with him. I think, as long as the Lord's willing, that that's going to be the subject of next week's podcast episode. So definitely be sure to subscribe or follow, whatever it is, to be able to hear that episode, because I want to tell you why God created us, because I've heard a lot of reasons about it. If we really look at the Bible, God wants a relationship with you. God wants to be with you. When God created Adam and Eve, he put them in the garden and he walked with them daily. That was the norm for God and for Adam and Eve, to commune daily in the garden, to spend time together. And that's what he still wants with us. And that's why he's made this a way. He's made heaven. Sin separated us from God. When Adam and Eve sinned, it separated us from God. It took away any expectation of getting to be in true communion with God. But God made a plan and made a way that we might be saved, that we could come back to him, that he could erase our sins so that we could be in tight, close communion with him. Not just as we are in this life. We get a taste of the future things in this life because we're blessed with the ability to pray, with the ability to go to church, with the ability to read our Bibles and to know God's own words for ourselves. We can know what God says as we read through this book, and that's a blessing. But one day we'll be with God and be able to hear his voice. That's the expectation. That's the future that we get to look to as Christians. 
And finally, one of the last things that we really get to think about in this aspect is that Jesus promised that he went away to prepare a place for us. We read this in John chapter 14, verse 3. It says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. I want to be where God is. I want to be where the person who was willing to sacrifice all so that I might be saved is, where we can walk with him and talk with him and be with him face to face. That is a great expectation. That's a driving force that can really change our lives, and it's a thing that we should pray for. We shouldn't just read these verses. We shouldn't just have these verses in our minds and in our hearts. We should pray to truly understand them, for them to truly affect our lives, that this could be an actual effective revelation in our hearts and in our minds that we could know without a shadow of a doubt that our God loves us and that we have an eternal future with him because when we know that it changes everything and so we should pray for this revelation we should pray that God would help us to see help us to understand the future to understand the truth of his word and the scripture to understand that we have a reason to hope even in the darkest times And these are all things that throughout this podcast we're going to get to today. But it all starts with knowing those verses and then praying to truly understand those verses. We need more than just a foundational knowledge of the Bible where we know a lot. Truth without anything with it doesn't really matter. We can have all the truth in the world, but it has to apply and mean something in our lives. And that's exactly what we need to pray to God for. We need to seek and ask and pray for these kind of revelations. God, show us your way. Show us your truth. Show us that there is a brighter future and something better to be looked forward to than what we are currently facing in this life. Because as we look forward with great expectation, it changes our mindsets. And we all experience this in one way or another. We all know that looking forward to something can change and affect your day even. If you know that you've got great plans in the afternoon, it makes work go by a little bit better, right? The things that would normally frustrate you aren't as frustrating because you have a great expectation of better times later. And honestly, the opposite can be true. When we dread something later in our day and we know that something worse is coming up, then that also will affect us and make us maybe have a shorter trigger and things like that. Another way to look at this is when we think about vacations. If I have a vacation coming up, I know that it's coming, and I'm excited that it's coming. And even for weeks, maybe even a month leading up to that vacation, you can't get me down at work. You can't get me upset. I am so excited. I'm so looking forward to the great things, the great parts that are going to come forward on that trip that that nothing else matters. But that's the way that it can be. We can look towards our future in heaven, and it can cause joy in our lives, joy that outweighs any bad that comes our way. That's what's true. It's a much larger scale, but it's true. If we have the revelation of eternity, if we have the revelation of the fact that we can have great expectation for our future, that changes everything else. And that's what Peter talks about in verse 6 of that same passage. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6, he says, So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead even though you must endure many trials for a little while. He doesn't hide the fact that there's going to be trials, that they're going to face struggles, that they're going to have difficulties in this life, but he makes a point to make sure they know that there is wonderful joy ahead. And that's something that we need to remember. There is wonderful joy ahead for us as Christians. We have something of value to look forward to, to remember, to say, God, heaven is for real. I know that you have something waiting for me on the other side of this life, and that can have an effect on our lives because it had an effect on their lives. We read in Romans chapter 8.18, Paul saying something similar to what Peter did. He said, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And he said something again similar to that in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 through 18. He says, For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the other things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. That's the words of a man who 
doesn't just hope for a future, but believes it fully and is looking ahead to it. Not distracted by the things of this life, but looking ahead to the blessings that God has in store for his people. And we know that to be true of the Apostle Paul. He says in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 through 14, that he does just that. He says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it on my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What he's saying is, is that he doesn't allow his past to dictate his future. He doesn't think about his past, but he allows that to be gone because God says he's separated as far as the east is from the west. God's forgiven us of our sins. He's made a way for us to be saved. God chooses to look past every evil and wicked thing that you have done so that you can be saved. And if God is willing to look past those things, we shouldn't forget our sins or our past because they connect us with people who are still lost in sin, but we shouldn't hold on to our sins and think they are still keeping us from God. If Paul can be used by God after the past that he lived, we all have that same opportunity and ability to be used by God and to be forgiven for our wickedness. Paul says that he was the chief most sinner and an example to others that anyone can be saved. So if Paul can be saved, you can be saved. God can use you despite your past. Your past shouldn't stop you. But then what we have to realize is that he says, I forget the past and I look ahead. Let's see. He says, straining forward to what lies ahead. So Paul forgot the past and is doing everything he can to get to what's ahead. He's looking ahead of where he's going. That means that he's not looking at his present time. His present struggles, sufferings, and challenges weren't what was stopping him. But he was focused on something ahead. And that's something that we struggle with so much in Christianity today. That's what Western Christianity, the Christianity in the United States, is built upon what can God do for me right now, not what God has promised to do for me later. And we're seeking pleasure and joy and blessings in this life over the promised pleasures, joy, and blessings of heaven. And that's not what Paul did. Paul wasn't living with a greater expectation for today than he was heaven, but that's what we do. And that's why we struggle so much more with life circumstances, with living for God, with doing right things than they did. If we would live like the apostles did, if we would live like the early church did, then we would experience what they did, which was growth, which was the power of the Spirit moving. But instead, we're not interested in helping others in eternity. We just are helping ourselves and this present life. And that's not the way that it should be. That's not how we live with great expectation. In fact, it shows that we lack great expectation for the things of God. If we believe what the Bible says, then we'll live a life not focused on this life, but focused on the next. Sacrificing time and pleasure and things in this life, fame, glory, and honor in this life, so that we might humble ourselves, become servants, and see other people saved. That's what we would do if we lived with great expectation from what the Bible says. Today, we try to find our hope in the potential blessings that we can receive in this life, as we talked about, and that's just not the right way. The early church had their hopes set on things above. They trusted in what God wrote and what Paul said even. And Paul writes to Titus in chapter 1, verse 2 of the book of Titus, in hope of eternal life, which God who never lies promised before the ages. That's what the early church believed. They believed that God never lied, that he promised since all time eternal life for his people. And they believed that it would come to pass. And they lived like that was the truth. Are you living like that today? Are you living with great expectation? Are you living with a hope for the future that dictates and drives what you're doing in this life? Or is it clear that by the way we are living, and I'm not just trying to call anybody else out. This is a question I need to ask myself in my own life as well. Am I living in a way that shows that I trust God's word to be true? Or am I simply living a life that shows that I'm more interested in doing all that I can right now to have the most pleasure instead of trusting what God himself has already said? That's a question that we need to ask ourselves. We can see in the, the writing of these men that they weren't living that way that they were looking past now, that they weren't concerned. They were blessed. They were highly favored. God was using them and doing great things through them. 
but they weren't concerned with what they could achieve and what they could get in this life, as long as what they achieved in this life had an effect on the next life. And so few of us are actually living like that today. I know I struggle with that in myself, and it's because we're heavily marketed to in this life. Everything we do, YouTube, social media, television, billboards, all these things are marketing us, telling us that we need to do what's best for ourselves. We need to do what's best for our own family. We need to constantly get new things and new things for ourselves and to focus on what we need instead of what others need. That's what consumerism, advertising, marketing, all these things are focused on today. And that's not the way that it should be for those of us in the church. And hopefully, we can strive to overcome those things as God's people. That would be the greatest hope that we have. But they lived different lives than we did, as we're talking about. And it was the different, the different view that they had of the future. They had no fear of what would happen to them in this life, death or life. They weren't concerned. And that's what gave like a man like Paul the ability to write, death, where is your sting? Or to say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. The reason you cannot be afraid of death, the only way that you'll be able to live this life unafraid and unashamed of death, is to truly believe that God is coming back. That Jesus is going to come back for his church, that you can be saved, and that you will have eternal life in heaven. That's how you conquer the fear of death, and that's exactly what Paul did. He didn't fear death. He had no shame and no fear, and he faced constant struggles and trials. And that's the other side of this, is we've been conditioned by TV evangelists, by people who are more interested in getting a larger flock so that they can make more money and fly faster planes. And they tell us that God only wants the best for you in this life, and that if you would live for God, then you would have these blessings and you'd have these things. And the simple truth is, that's a lie from the pits of hell. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that the blessed and highly flavored flavored that the best and the wow nowhere in the bible does it say that the best and highly favored of god are going to fly around in private jants are going to live in mansions in fact we see quite the opposite in scripture i mean just look at the apostles the men that we've already listed so far in this podcast today peter who wrote that we now live with great expectation struggled greatly in his life as a christian in the book of Acts, we read that he was beaten and threatened. He was thrown in prison for his faith. He was imprisoned multiple times for his faith. And at the end of the life, at the end of his life, he was martyred. In fact, he was crucified. But Peter said, I don't want to just be crucified because I don't deserve to die the same death that my Lord and Savior did. And so he asked to be crucified upside down so that there could be a higher reverence for the way that Jesus died than the way that he himself died. But think about that. If we were supposed to be highly favored and we were supposed to receive all these great material wealth and an easy life and never get sick simply because we've come to faith, then why did the Apostle Peter face these things? And Peter wasn't alone. In the reality, you take somebody like the Apostle Paul, his life got worse after coming to the faith. He was a Pharisee. He was a leader. He was training under one of the top religious leaders of the day, and he was set up to probably are in the same respect, are in the same position eventually that that man had. But one day he had an experience with Christ and changed his whole life. And after coming to Christ, it was from that moment on that he was persecuted. He only had a short reprieve from persecution, and that was the two years he was on house arrest in Rome. But the rest of the time he was constantly being chased from this city, chased from that city. They tried to stone him, they tried to beat him, they tried to do all these things to the apostle Paul, yet he continued to write verses that are faith-filled, that encouraged other people. He wrote letters to other churches encouraging them to stay in the faith, to stay pointed at God, when he himself is facing the most severe persecution that we really can't even imagine. I was going to say the most severe persecution that we can imagine, but the truth of the matter is that, that we can't even begin to imagine the things that the apostle Paul was facing. And I wouldn't want to have to know what those things were like, because the Bible describes them as awful. They're things that we want to face. Paul does actually go through it all. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 27, he lays it all out, much of which I've already told you about here, but in much more shocking detail. And I was going to read it, but I've already told you so much of it that you should just go read it for yourself. Read 
in that, again, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 27, where Paul lays out everything that he faced for God, shipwrecks, imprisonments, beatings, stonings, all these things, people tried to constantly silence Paul because he was unashamed of the gospel. They constantly tried to silence him, but he had a great expectation. So none of these things stopped him. As he says in Philippians chapter 4, verses 13, he says, For I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And a lot of times that verse gets used out in context, but what it really means is that he learned how to live on everything and on nothing. That's what he writes before that. He learned how to do it all and how to do nothing. He learned how to live a life that far few of us could ever understand or share in. But he was able to do that because of the great expectation that he had in God. And Paul possibly faced the most struggle out of anybody, any Christian, besides maybe Jesus, who was crucified for our faith and all those things. But it's quite possible that Paul faced more persecution, more struggle than any other Christian before him. But he wasn't alone. Every Christian, not just the apostles, but every Christian faced trials in those days. The apostles, all of them were martyred except for one. They all died for the faith, every apostle. And then the early church was facing the same struggles and the same trials. For instance, Emperor Nero was doing horrible things, things that I don't even, honestly, I don't even want to talk about on this podcast. If you want to know, you can look them up. But he was doing awful things to Christians as a form of persecution in his time. That's the kind of life that they were living in the early church. If we were going to be blessed for our faith, if we were going to live highly favored lives, if we were going to live our best lives, or the best, or we're going to live our best lives as Christians, but if we were going to live the best lives according to the eyes of the world, then why didn't these men and women, why didn't the first church live that way? Because that's not what God ever promised. He never promised that this road of faith would be easy. In fact, he warned that we would be hated for his name. That's what Jesus told us before he left. He said that we would be hated by the world, that we would experience these very trials and persecutions. And the Bible tells us over and over again not to be surprised when we're tested by fiery trials, when hard times come. We are warned continually through Scripture. And so we need to understand that hard times are going to come. It faced the apostles. It faced Christians throughout history have had trials and struggles in this life. Even if you take Job, Job was tried by the devil. The devil came after him hard. Not for anything that he had done wrong, but simply to try to lead him away from God. We're going to face hard times in this world, especially as Christians. The devil's going to come at us harder now that we have life-saving faith than he ever did before. That's just the simple truth. That's the way that it goes. That's the way that it is for Christians. But it's okay. Our life may not be simpler. We may still have trials, but our life is better. Or we're going to have a better life in the Christian faith. When we come to the, the Christian faith, our life improves. And it improves because of the great expectation that we're able to have. Now, of course, we get things provided to us by God's Spirit. The Holy Spirit provides us with peace, with love, with joy. Those of which without understanding. God says he gives us peace without understanding. And that's how we can go through trials and struggles and things that would have rocked our world before our conversions, now barely affect us. That's how we're able to do it. It's because God gives us peace and joy. But then with that, we have this great expectation. We're able to look ahead and say, yes, I'm struggling right now. Yes, life may suck right now, may be really hard right now, but there's a better day ahead. This won't last forever. Tomorrow is going to be better. The future is better than the present. That's the blessing that we have in our lives. God has given us something to look forward to that's able to outweigh everything bad in this life. Just as Paul wrote, just as we've already read in the Bible, if you have salvation, then you have everything you need in this book to know about heaven, to know about truth, the verses that we already read, you have those things, and you have a greater expectation to look forward to. You have a hope, and it should be driving your life. You shouldn't sit, oh, woe is me, my life is so bad. Your life may be bad, and it may be difficult, and I will pray for anybody who tells me of the struggles that they have in this life, but I'll remind them of the better days that are set ahead. 
because this is just a blip on the scales of eternity. I once saw Francis Chan use one of the best metaphors for eternity that I've ever seen, and he had a rope, and about this much of it had tape on the end of it, and it was, I think it was orange tape, and he said, this is your life on earth, and the rest of the rope is eternity, and he had hundreds of feet of rope spooled all throughout the sanctuary, in and out of doors, everywhere, hundreds of feet of rope, and about an inch was tape. That's the comparison that we have to make. When we look at the whole of eternity, the whole of the life that we shall live, this time that we're so concerned with, that we have a, a true expiration date on, is only about that big. And we can't even begin to imagine how great the scales of eternity are, how long we're going to have in heaven of a better life. We're so worried about how we use this time to do everything we've ever wanted, all that we've hoped for, when in reality, this life is only that big and we have something far greater to look forward to. And when we have that understanding, it allows us to be like those men and women of the faith who came before us, who can look people in the eyes and say, I'm not ashamed of my faith, and I will not turn away from God. You can do whatever you wish to me, but I'm going to continue to do what God has called me to do. If we share in the great expectation of the apostles in the early church, we will be able to face trials with joy, just like they did. And that's something we should desire to be able to do. We should desire to be able to look at trials in the face and say, you can't scare me, you can't hurt me, you can't bother me, because I know this is not the end. I know that I have something greater and that God has a plan and a purpose for my life. That's what we should desire to do as we look at life's struggles and failures. And the truth of the matter is this. In the Christian life, the good truly outweighs the bad. We hear that phrase all the time in life. Oh, well, you know, the good outweighs the bad. This job has got some problems, but it pays a lot of money, so the good outweighs the bad or, you know, Different things like that where we use that phrasing. But the truth of the matter is this. Nothing, out, nothing is able to outweigh the bad like the Christian faith is. There's so much good in our faith and in our future that it fully outweighs the bad. There's nothing we can face in this life so bad as Christians that it can outweigh what's lying ahead for us on the other side. And that's what Paul was talking about when he said that nothing that we face is able, no, no trial is going to be able to compare with the glory that we fa that we receive in heaven. And that's a great and a true promise. I just, uh, I don't know. It's hard to describe in words how we can have this great expectation, how we can look forward and say, it's going to be better. Yes, this is bad right now, but it's only going to last a moment, and the future is brighter, the future is better. I know that it can seem like it's not. I know that it can seem like this is the worst thing that you've faced. I've faced moments in my life where I also have thought, oh, this is the worst. This, nothing's going to make this better. But what we have to remember is that we've all faced trials in our lives. And eventually they fade. They go away. Some last a long time. Sicknesses can last a long time. Sicknesses can last until death. But they can't last past death. And that's the part to remember. I know that things can be hard in the moment. I know that it can be frustrating, that it can be a challenge, that you can be listening to this right now and be like, but I, I know that I'm not happy. I know this, I know that. And you may not be happy. And you don't have to be happy in this life if you don't want to be. But it's going to be far better if you choose happiness and you choose joy. God provides those things just like he provides so much in our lives. He provides you the opportunity to go to church every, or every week. He provides you the opportunity to read his word, to be in communion with him, things that will make your life better, but you still have to choose them. And the same is true with the peace and the joy that he supplies. If you choose to be a sourpuss, if you choose to be grumpy and not happy, that's the way that you're going to live. And no matter how much God's trying to give you, you can choose to look past it and be angry. But what I'm telling you is that you don't have to do that. That you can look towards a great expectation and realize, I don't have to be grumpy. I can be happy and ecstatic for what's coming. We can look past now and look to the future and find joy in that even when there's no joy to be found around us. That's what we have to do to live the life that these men and women did. If we want to be able to do what Paul did, not just in his evangelistical journeys, but in the way that he lived his life for all people to be saved. If we want to see people to be saved, if we want to reach a lost and dying world, and if we want 
to just be happy and unashamed and unafraid throughout our lives, then we have to choose to have great expectation. We have to choose to take God's promises and his word to heart and allow them to be the driving forces in our lives, not the circumstances we see around us, but what God has said in his word. And when it gets tough and it gets difficult, don't try to walk away from God. Remind yourself of these promises and pull out. I love doing this. I don't. I, I need a podcast with the Bible next to me more often. If you're watching the, the audio-only version, I apologize. But every time I mention the Bible, I'm picking this big Bible up because this book, the Bible, is the most important thing that we have as Christians. And we should take the Bible with us really everywhere. But when we have those struggles, we should take the time to open the Bible and to read it and to have things highlighted and maybe even have pages flagged that have these great promises, promises of heaven, promises of salvation, promises of eternal life, promises of the better days that are up ahead. We should go through and highlight like the verses that we read in the beginning of this, the verses that tell us all the great promises of God. We should have our Bibles so full and so well used that we can almost just flip and turn to those pages. Maybe we need to, I don't know, we need to spend time in our Bible. And when we're struggling to find joy, we're struggling to find peace, that's one of the places that we should turn to. Obviously, the other place that we should turn to is prayer, seeking God, talking to God, from having God remind us of his promises. Because when we are tuned into that still, small voice, we'll hear God kind of put things in our hearts and in our minds. And sometimes it's just a simple reminder of, you shall not perish, but you shall have everlasting life. When you're thinking, I guess this life is just going to suck forever. God's saying, I don't know why this life's going to be that way for you. Well, God does. But God's saying, yes, your life is hard. And yes, the life that you live right now is difficult. You're being tried. You're being tested in the fires. But know that that's not your eternity. Your eternity is better than your present. You could be living the best life that you could right now. Maybe you're the opposite person. Maybe you're living like, I, I don't need great expectation because my life is already amazing. But the truth is, no matter how amazing your life is right now, it still can't compare to the glory that God's going to show us in heaven. To be in the presence of God Almighty, to be in heaven, in a place with no pain, no suffering, and nothing like that, we can't compare to it. The good can't outweigh it, and the bad can't outweigh it. The glory of heaven is so great, so marvelous, that nothing can compare with what God has in store for us there. What, what just a blessing that that is. And when we're going through our Bibles and looking at those things, it's also helpful to look at what others overcame. And that's why the book of Acts is like my favorite book of the Bible. In fact, in a couple weeks, I'm going to get a teach on the book of Acts at our Bible study. And I'm so happy to do it because I think it's the book of Acts that really had the most impact and change on my life. It's when I began to read the book of Acts and to see how the faith was lived out that I realized how I needed to express and live out my own faith, how I was supposed to do all these things, what the plan of salvation was. It's in that book that you find all these things. But you also see how the early church faced struggles, the kinds of struggles they faced, and how they overcame them. What a great blessing that that is, to be able to have the book of Acts, to see how people live. They were persecuted in the faith. But in the book of Acts, we see how they overcame that persecution and continued living for God, living a life that few today can begin to live. That's what we see in the book of Acts. That's what we see in our Bibles. And those are the kind of things that we should be looking to because we as Christians today often start to question God Whenever life gets hard, when the car won't start, when we wake up late, we're like, God, why did you do this to me? God, why, why, God, why? But the apostles were beaten and imprisoned just for preaching the gospel, just for doing what God had called them to do. What Jesus had said to do in the Great Commission, they were beaten and imprisoned for, yet they never stopped. And beyond that, they got imprisoned. Peter and John were imprisoned, and they still continued to praise God. They left in joy. That's one of the most impactful verses to me, is they get picked up, Peter and John get picked up and taken to the high council. And those men threaten them and beaten them, and then they release them. And when they leave, the Bible records that they left rejoicing. 
they were happy to be counted as sufferers with Christ. That's what the Bible says. Why aren't we like that? And better yet, why don't we have the same response that they have? Because they were already bold, wouldn't you say? Wasn't it bold to go out and preach in the name of the Lord at the Jewish synagogue, at the place where the people would be daily, who were the ones responsible for causing your leader to be crucified? Wasn't that bold? Yeah, it was bold. But after, their, after this time when Peter and John are taken in, and they're told never to speak in the name of the Lord again, and they say, hey, listen, who should we follow, God or man? We're going to follow God. That's what they tell these high leaders. That's a bold statement. That's some boldness coming through in that kind of word. They'd already exhibited being bold, yet when they leave and they get back to where the other people are, they fall down and begin to pray that God would make them even more bold, that he would give them more boldness to continue to preach his word. Wow. That's a righteous response. That's a response of people who say, I'm not concerned with this life. I have a great expectation. I live with a great expectation that my life is not as concerned with this life as it is with the next, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get to that next. That's what that kind of dedication really said, and that's what those men really did. How impactful, how awesome that is, and how that should really impact our lives. When things got hard, they didn't give up. All they did was just push harder. That's a lesson that we can learn in this life. When it's hard to pray, pray harder. When it's hard to read your Bible, read more of your Bible. When it's hard to go to church, get there early. That's the kind of response that we should have when things get hard. We shouldn't roll over and say, well, it's getting too hard to pray. I'm just going to cut it out. Or, man, I'm just, it's a struggle to get to church. I'm just not going to go anymore. No, if, if, we did, if the apostles did that, we wouldn't be talking right now. None of us would be here having faith. We wouldn't have most of the books of the Bible. We wouldn't be having all these different church services, and we wouldn't be doing any of this. But when things got hard, they just pushed harder because they didn't want to be the only ones to have this great expectation. They wanted others to have this great expectation too, and I praise God that they had that burden on their hearts, a burden given to them by him because that's the burden that God has. He wants all people to live in great expectation. I believe that's why he burdened me to make this episode of the podcast today because he wants you to live with great expectation because of what that can do in your lives. Those before us were driven by a strong faith and trust in God. It was their faith. It was what they believed that caused them to live with great expectation. They believed that God does not lie. They believed that every promise in the Bible would come to pass. That's what they believed. So that leaves the question of this. What do you believe? Do you believe that you shall have everlasting life, that you shall not perish, but that you'll get to be in heaven? where pain and suffering will be no more? Do you believe that? That's the question that you need to figure out and you have to ask yourself because you can't live with great expectation like they did if you're unsure that those promises will be fulfilled. You can't live with great expectation of what you don't believe is going to happen. The only way you live with great expectation is because you know that it's going to happen. Without a shadow of a doubt, without any questioning, you know that it's going to happen. It's like going back to the vacation. The reason that I'm having such great expectation for going on a trip to Florida is because I know that I'm going. I've paid. I've paid for the rental. I've you know, booked all of the excursions that we're going to go on. I've done this. I've done that. I've set everything up, and I know that it's going to happen. Have you done that with your faith? Have you followed the plan of salvation? Have you really given your life to God? Have you read the Bible? Have you trusted in his word? Because if you have, then you should be living with that great expectation. But if you haven't, then that's possibly the reason that you're not living with that great expectation. Have you given up yourself to follow after God? Because if you have, that'll shape everything. Do you believe what the Bible says is true? Or do you only hope that it's true? That's the struggle that a lot of Christians are in right now. They hope the Bible to be true. They hope all these things to be true, but they still question it. They're still unsure. And the reason that we question, the reason that we're unsure, is a lack of relationship with God. Because if we pray and if we study the Bible, 
it's going to be easy to see that these things are true because they're going to become true in our daily lives. And the reason that I can say that boldly on this podcast today is because I've done just that in my own life. God has shown me things, and that's how I know that this stuff is to be true, because I've asked for that revelation. If you want to know God, if you want to be able to trust in these things, if you want to have a great expectation and not have to live in fear, in doubt, in shame, and in hurt in this life, if you want to be able to face trials without being shaken, think about it this way. Jesus said that the person who hears his word and obeys it is like the person who built their house on a firm foundation. And the person who doesn't listen to what he said, or listens to what he says but doesn't obey it, so they know the word but they don't live the word, is like a person who builds their house on a sandy foundation. Well, when the winds and the waves of life come, the one who built on a solid foundation, their house is going to stand. But the one who built on sand, their house is going to fall. That's what Jesus said. And so the way that we build our house on a firm foundation is to know God's word, but to live God's word. And that means praying, studying, and seeking after God. Because God's going to reveal himself to those who diligently seek him. Ask me how I know. Because I diligently sought the Lord. There was a time where I wasn't sure about all these things, where I had questions, where I had doubts, I had worries, fears, anxieties. And not to say that all of those things are gone. There's still times where I'm afraid. There's still times where I'm worried. But I find peace through God and through having great expectation. But it was really when I began to seek after God diligently, to read the Bible for myself, to not just take somebody else's word for it, but to read God's word. He gave it to us in this way, to be read. God wanted us to know his word on our own. And he also wants us to pray. That's why he calls us to pray so many times in the Bible. And if we do those things, then we will have the ability to know God better and better. We just have to seek after him. And God is going to reveal himself. So if you take the time to build your trust in God, if you take that time to build a relationship with him, and that trust is going to build. You can build trust in God simply by trying to build a relationship with him. We talked earlier about the reason that God has done all this. He created man, and he created a, man from, a way for man to be redeemed after sin is so that he can have a relationship with us. And he can have a relationship with us in this life right now if we choose to seek that relationship. You will be able to share in great expectation. You can share in that. If you're willing to seek after God, to search for his truth, and to find him in your life. God loves you. He wants you to have that revelation, and he will provide it for you if you're willing to seek it. And this really is the greatest revelation that we have because it has the power, as we've talked about, to change everything, to make the bad times better, to make things that were awful seem not as awful. I, uh, it's a hard thing to explain, but I hope that you understand what I'm trying to say. We can confidently walk forward through life when we have the great expectation in the resurrection, in salvation, and in eternity in heaven. We can walk forward confidently, without fear, saying, death, where is your sting? We can share in that same mindset that the Apostle Paul had if we have this great expectation. And we should walk through this life as Christians expecting the best, expecting God's word to be fulfilled. Maybe the present's not always going to be that great, and maybe we shouldn't expect it to be, but we always know that regardless of how our present life looks, our future has something far better in store. God has something far better in store for us in our future. That's the kind of blessing, the kind of promise that we have from God. I tend to be a realist. And that means that I don't, I'm not a pessimist and I'm not an optimist. I don't look at everything like it's going to be the best thing in the world, and I don't look at everything like it's going to be the worst thing in the world. I ride the middle. I take what life has given me and base my judgments on that. If I had to lean a little bit towards one of those, I'd probably lean optimistic. I hope for great things to happen. But I do this for fear of being let down. I want to be a realist because I don't want to get my hopes so far up that someone can mess them up. I don't want to, like, it sounds awful. But I don't want to put so much trust and so much reliability in someone that I don't know that well only to allow them to fail me. I want to trust somebody, obviously, 
but I have to trust them with a little bit of realism and realize they could mess up, they could make a mistake. Maybe they're not going to be there in time, things like that. And I think I do that so that I don't get my hopes too high only to have them dashed. But the thing that I can blessed in and blessed to know is that that's not the case when it comes to what we believe and what we look forward to with God. We can look with great expectation because God is always going to exceed our expectations. We can look forward to what lies ahead of us because we know that God is going to come through, that we can't hope something so much greater than what God is going to do for us and in our lives. That's the thing. We'll never be disappointed by hoping too much for heaven, by putting too much hope, too much expectation on heaven. God's going to far exceed our expectations. And what a great blessing that is, because we're not even going to be able to begin to imagine the greatness of what heaven will be like. And I look forward to it immensely, to that day when we wake up, our eyes are open, and we're standing at the throne of God, and we stand in His glory, where there is no light or casting shadow, because God is the light thereof. That's what the Bible promises. I look forward to that day with great expectation, and I hope that you have that same great expectation. I hope that you see the reason now to live in great expectation, to live without fear, without worry, without anything else, but simply trusting that God's word is true and that what he said is going to come to pass. Because Christ rose, because of his resurrection, we now live with great expectation. We don't have to live with the fears and the worries that we once did. And I am so glad and thankful to know that blessing. I hope that this podcast episode has been helpful to you today. I was trying to do something a little bit different. I want to get better at just talking to the camera, talking about these things of faith and not relying so heavenly on heavenly, so heavily on very scripted, very detailed notes as I've done on the podcast in the past, especially now that we're doing it on video. And so I tried to make a more skeleton version of notes and just have something to base off of and then just be able to share my heart on this subject. And so I hope that it was clear and concise and that it made sense. And I thank you for listening to it today. If you made it this far, then God bless you. You're a great saint among people for being able to listen to me potentially ramble about you know these things of God for so long. But I'm thankful to have you guys here and to have you listening, as always. I, I hope that you will let me know in the comments if this was good, if it wasn't good. I really need your feedback to help me know what I can do better and what I can improve on in future episodes of the podcast. But I'm just so thankful have you guys here. If you made it this far and you enjoyed this podcast and you think that this podcast could be a blessing to others, then I do ask that you would just take a moment to like, comment, subscribe, follow, share, whatever it is that you can do to help this podcast go further. Because we can put it out as much as we want to. We can make flashy titles. We can do everything we can. But without community engagement, without people helping us, we'll never be able to take it to the depths that it needs to go. And so we hope that you'll help us on this journey and help us to reach more and more people with the word and with the promises of God. Anyways, until we see you guys in the next video, I hope you have a great rest of your week, and God bless.